Yes, I hit it. That recording, we, we're, we're live. Hi, Joel. The, me- the meeting is being recorded. Hi, everybody. My name is Joel, and that's Steve. Hi. <laughs> Welcome oh to gosh. the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast. Hi, everybody. Brought to you today by Tart Cherry Kavita Master Kombucha Drink. Back on the booch. Back on the booch. How's that working out for you? It's really tart. That's actually true. <laughs> I tried to take a big man swig of that, and it was very tart. Joel's making a great face right now. It's, you look like you're in pain. I'm jacked up because we have a really great guest tonight. Um, yeah, I'm excited. But first, I I feel but like wait. I need to apo- I feel like I need to apologize to our 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 dedicated Instagram followers. I've done a piss poor job of keeping up with all the references over the last few weeks. You know, I was just thinking that. Yeah, I know you were. I'm very sorry, but I'm also kind of not sorry. I got a gnarly cold like three days before I left for that trip to Texas. And then I was in Texas and that episode came out and it was like the two episodes have gone by and I've made no references on Instagram. So I will put some things into the Spotify TTBB playlist. That yeah, everybody that should There's some good stuff to go in there. And maybe I'll follow up on uh, references from the last few episodes. And I'm sure there'll be some more tonight because we have a very sure. uh, interesting guest who has a lot of cool tastes. Um, so, yeah, if you want to follow along on that Instagram page, it's at trying to be better podcast. Or you can email the podcast at Here, goes, Here we go. TTBB podcast at gmail.com. Did That's I get it? Joel. You got it. You nailed it. Oh my god! Fantastic. Why does that? It's well. It's just because I've. It's because it we're terrible at brand management. That's why. Well, you know, we have we, <laughs> like our podcast goes by like three different things. Yeah, we've got. We really yeah. ought to talk to our brand manager. Well, we can get all this. Wrangling. He's out for the summer, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> our Instagram guy is out for the summer. I am in full summer mode Whew. well you know as soon as that beyond burger money starts rolling in maybe we can hire a staff of one yeah to, staff of one or two sure um, to get yeah, our we'll, help get our acts together yeah we'll get an office i mean we're just garage. we're the talent we can't be expected to no, organize we're the, and we're creatives we can't right. be bogged down with logistics that's no. why we you know it's ridiculous so please email us um i don't know if anybody's emailed us but I, I still want to keep beating this drum um, that if there are people that don't know us and have never met us and have, don't know who the hell we are, who are listening across <laughs> the world, because that's true. We need, we need please, that ha- hashtag TTBB rando rando uh, send us an email and just like, how did you find us? And what yeah. do you think? I, even if it's a scathing review or it's just like, you know, I was just scrolling through Apple podcasts. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very curious. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, please like and subscribe. Sure. And I can't wait. wait for somebody to say, like, I'm completely indifferent about you guys. I think we do occupy that, though. I think yeah. we occupy that that weird world. It's like, yeah, it's something to, I don't know. It's some walking around talking. You know, right. it's just some walking around music. Sure. Well, music. This, this guest tonight, I'm very stoked that he has agreed to donate some of his precious time to yap with us two. Um, uh, I've known this man for going on probably 20. 19, 18 years, somewhere yeah, in there. Many moons. Um, I've, I've seen him at his worst and I've, and I've seen him at his best. And, and I think he could say the same for maybe both of us, but yeah, um, uh, <clears throat> that's kind of a, that's kind of a true statement. Yeah. Like, it just dawned on me. Like we've all known each other like a really long time, 20 years. Yeah. 
there's a lot of water under the bridge, a lot of rough, a lot of rough water under the bridge, a lot of calmer water under the bridge. But, um, you know, it's one of those things too. And what I love, what I'm noticing about all these interviews we're doing, um, especially with people that we know is when I go back and listen to them, I'm like, you know what? There are interesting people all around you get to know them a little more because like, I, I can guarantee this is going to be a great conversation because Greg Wright is a very interesting Wait. dude. Yeah, totally. I agree with that statement. hundred percent. Should we, should we welcome him and should we let him in? Yeah, let's let him. He's just literally walking around his house right now on his phone. But uh, yeah, uh, Greg Wright, everybody. So glad you could join us, Greg. Thanks Hi, for, Greg. thanks for doing this. The privilege is all mine. I like the part about how you made it sound like I agreed to do this when I actually pursued you and said, man, you guys have got a cool thing going. Can I come talk to you? Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. <laughs> so basically, you just invited yourself to the party. Pretty much. Yeah. OK, All right, well, yeah. I'm good with that. That's cool. <laughs> Take it as a compliment, though. I mean, sure, I really yeah, like thanks. what you I guys do. do. Absolutely. Well, I, I know Greg. I know you well enough to know that you would not be involved with something that you didn't think was worth being involved in. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of like a hardliner like that. I'm a total snob. And I want you also <laughs> to know that I only participate in podcasts that are terrible at brand management. Oh, good. Well, then good. you, know, you, my friend, are in the right place. <laughs> You're in the right spot, man. Glad you guys here. are at the top of that list. Right. Thank <laughs> what you. Steve said is very true, though, man, because like <laughs> the fact that Greg reached out to us and was like, hey, can I, hey, if you ever want to have me on, I'm down to do it. It's like that is you are a taste. You are a taste snob. You just said it. I'll say it like true. you. You have specific tastes and you don't mess around with that. And I. I I, I appreciate that we're in the list of things that you actually dig. Absolutely. I think some people would call it insufferable, but you guys are being super <laughs> cool about it. So. Here's the thing, Greg, is that we're all in like, I'll speak, I'll speak for Joel too. We're sure. all insufferable in our own ways. Oh, I yeah. mean, that, sure. like as different as we are, we're all alike like that. Yeah. Like, I totally about agree. Our own things, you know, I made the mistake once of insulting the grateful dead to Steve on Facebook once. How'd that go? <laughs> it was not my best day. Yeah, right, no. <laughs> I, I've over the years, I'm like, well, whatever. It's not for everybody. He's used to it, kind of. Yeah. yeah. He suckered me into it. I, I, I'm, I'm on the bus. Yeah, it only but, took like know. a decade. Yeah, that's true. It did take some time. It took me a while. Whatever. Like um, Greg, you, Greg, let's get to know. I mean, we know you. I know a little bit about your trajectory through your life. But what do we what what do we need to know? Like, where are you from? You grew up here in Lincoln, right? Is that correct? And then, you know, tell us a little bit about just where you East come Ridge. from. Yeah, man. So, yeah, sure. I'll tell you a little bit of a an abridged version, I guess. I I'm technically from Lincoln. Um, that's not really the full picture, though. I was a military brat as well as later being in the military myself. So, right. Um, early on, we we moved a lot. Um, my dad was in the Marine Corps. And, was a, a career guy. And so, you know, early on, we, we left Lincoln when I was three, went to North Carolina. Then we went to the Philippines for two years. Mm -hmm. um, my brother was born in the Philippines. I was four and five when I was there, just old enough to remember it. Um, came back to Virginia beach, then came back to Lincoln, excuse me, for the first of probably several times in my life. Um, my mom went to grad school and my dad was deployed and, you know, we, we kind of made that life. And eventually my parent, my parents split up and, um, I, I spent most of the rest of my formative years here in Lincoln. Um, I had kind of a similar, if not a little reversed 
version of, I think, some of what Steve had going on in his adolescent years in high school. I know we have some similar similarity there, though I don't know that I, I remember the exact details of yours, Steve, but, you know, that's, that's I had... a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, I had a kind of a rough existence with both parents, and so, you know, halfway through ninth grade, I kicked out of my mom's house to go live with my dad, who at the time was um, stationed at headquarters Marine Corps and lived in Northern Virginia in Reston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I did, you know, the half second half of ninth grade and all of 10th grade in Reston, Virginia. And then I got kicked back out of his house to go come back and live with my mom here in Lincoln. So I finished high school here at East high, you know, 11th and 12th what year grade. Did you graduate? I'm class of 85. Oh, okay. All right. So I was four years behind you. Yeah. And I think we have a couple other peers that were in that same area. I think Jamie's one of them, right? He was class 89. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, I, I stayed through 85 and then I was actually on a half ride music scholarship to the university and had managed to carve out a pretty cool existence as far as music goes. I was in the, you know, I was in the snare drum line in the marching band at the university and yeah, that's cool. making 12 hours of music credits and, and came to kind of a weird, uh, I, I just kind of, I just kind of, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. As the movie says, I, I kind of quit the whole effing program. You know, I just dropped, <laughs> I dropped out of everything. Oh, wow. I dropped out of the marching band. I went over to the sideline one morning and put my drum down and said, I'm done. I just left. Like on, like on, uh, like on Royal Tenenbaums when he just lays down his racket in the court and just like gives kind up. Of. Yeah, so kind I, of. I recently watched that movie again for the first time in a long time, probably for the second time. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. Like the oh, first yeah. time I was kind of like, whatever. But I really, really got a lot out of this that this time. I appreciate yeah. it a lot more. Why'd you choke out there, Bomber? What happened, Greg? Yeah, what, what, right. What 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 was what led up to you just kind of walking off and just like letting it go? Sure. Before I get into that, let's let's make sure we we bookmark that Royal Tenenbaums Bombs thing because Okay. When I watched that movie with my mom, she and I looked at each other at one point and said, Gene Hackman is dad. Oh that dude wow. is dad. Wow. So, okay. Crazy, crazy that you bring that up. But anyway. Why did I blow it all out my yin yang? Um, <laughs> well, I to be honest with you, I was the I was the uh, I was the requisite. If only you would apply yourself, you would be so much more kid. Oh, right? yeah, I got I got I heard that a lot. I've heard yeah. that before. So I I spent a lot of years hearing that, um, and I I I kind of coasted through high school. I never really had to work very hard for. For that part of it, um, I was I was reasonably good um, at music back then, and I knew it. I had probably much more arrogance than humility, and and would for another you know a few decades. Um, right. And then I found out that you know when you when you get out of high school and you go to college and you're in this really cool marching band, which at the time was one of the better programs in the country. Sure, all the mediocrity's gone, and mm. and all those kids that you used to just sail past in high school. Yeah, they're all at least as good as you are right. and, mm-hmm. and maybe better. And right. so, you know, there was some rude awakening stuff going on. I think there was some resentment on my part. I had kind of this, I don't know, this sort of weird nemesis type dude that went to Southeast that got a full ride scholarship and I only got the half ride. And you know how all that mm. stuff goes when you're 18 sure. and hormonal and all that good stuff. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a part of me that was like, well, you know, I'll show you guys. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to destroy all this. And I did. Sure. Yeah. So that kind of brings you up to age 18. 
Wow. That sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. So what, what, uh, so what was that when you thought maybe the Marine Corps is for me, or is that something you kind of always wanted to do? Oh goodness. No. Um, I, I was, I was, you know, always more of a counterculture type, um, and never really thought seriously about anything to do with the military. So I had dropped out of college, but I dropped out with a girlfriend because of course I did. (laughs) Um, you know, she I was and pretty I close to that myself, my friend. Uh, yeah, know, I mean, not. she and I were just going to, we were just going to engineer this. We were just going to figure it out, you know, and really what that meant is I took out a student loan. I bought a bunch of weed. We drove to Florida. That was our yes. version of figuring <laughs> it out. Yeah. So we did that. And that you sounds know, like we, a solid plan that didn't work out. <laughs> I, I'm shocked like you are, man. I'm right there with you. So, you know, we did that and it worked for a while, but we lived with her parents down there in, in Claremont, Florida, and we got a job at Wendy's and then I got a job. I like and I think, that. I love, no, I love that. We got a job at Wendy's. Yeah. It was both of us, her and me. And so, um, her and that I rather, like a, that sounds like a Ben fold song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. That's so funny. yeah, she and I found quickly that, um, you know, making three thirty-five an hour and working at Wendy's, kind of sucks. And, um, after I guess maybe a month, maybe a month, six weeks or so, I, I called my dad up and I said, Hey, tell me about the Marine Corps. Wow. And, um, he did. And, and he was very frank with me. He, he told me that it would be a terrible fit for Rhonda because the Marine Corps was still in, at that time and probably still is to this day, easily the most sexist of the branches. Um, mm-hmm. she of course took that as a challenge and summarily dismissed every word that he said about it (laughs) and you know joined anyway um so long story short she and i joined the marine corps together and actually went to paris island together and uh graduated three days apart and then got married um and began our life in the marine corps together that's incredible how do you manage (laughs) to keep how do you manage to keep as it like a fresh green cadet how do you manage to keep a relationship together in that, in that scenario? Well, it's not really like that. Um, okay. The Marine, the Marine Corps has always been a very segregated uh, boot camp experience. They, they train men and women differently. And they're only now like literally in the last month or two beginning to integrate recruits, you know, at Paris Island and San Diego. But at the time mm-hmm. it was, it might as well be, have been 1955. I mean, yeah. you show up there, you don't see females for three months. Right. She didn't see me for three months. I didn't see her for three months with, two very short exceptions mm-hmm. during that three month period. And, you know, then all of a sudden you're Marines and you kind of hook back up and reunite and you're like, well, you're different. And yeah, <laughs> you're, you're kind of different too. I mean, yeah. Like, do we keep going? I guess, you know, so we went to Pensacola and we went to this really pretty, you know, kind of high speed, low drag crypto school that we were going to do for our jobs. And then um, we went to Hawaii as 18 and 19 year olds. Wow. That sounds all right. Yeah. As with most things I'm going to talk about tonight, it was for a while. (laughs) It was for a time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So then, so then Hawaii and, and how long, and then you were, I mean, I'm, this doesn't need to be the whole trajectory of Greg Wright's life, but I know that, I know that you've brought it up and I know that you talk about it sometimes, um, you were stationed or at least lived in Scotland for a while. Is that true? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, my first three years I was in, I was in Hawaii and out of there, I deployed several times, including a six month tour at sea aboard a ship and, you know, did one, one real world operation while on that cruise. Um, but then, you know, that three years was up and I decided to re-enlist and I did that because they gave me um, the bonus that I wanted. They gave me a school to further myself in that particular field. Mm-hmm. But maybe most importantly, they gave me the duty station that I wanted the first time when I got out of school, which was mm-hmm. Scotland. And, and it was sort of every time I've joked about this with friends that every time I tell this story, I think of the character uh, Bricktop from Snatch. Oh, when nice. he keeps, he keeps telling Brad Pitt's character to stay down yeah, and he, yeah. he, he leans in that one time and says, and this time I really do need it. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of like how I felt when I was talking to the recruiter, like, look, if I sign on the dotted line here, I really want to go to freaking Scotland. Do you get mm. it? Mm. Mm-hmm. And they did. They sent mm. me there. It was yes. like, Oh wow. That worked. Yeah. Was that just because you were a fan of big country? <laughs> partially why okay <laughs> no um yeah i mean yeah it was i just you know how how idyllic everything seems when you're 20 21 22 years old and you think well clearly because i like some bands that are from the uk the entire uk is a paradise of awesomeness in every possible way and i was born right. and destined to live there sure right. and that's kind of where my head was at at that time um right. And a lot of that, I, I think, panned out. I, I, a lot of it, I think, came to fruition like that. Um, you know, a, as with all things, we're, we're probably mistaken on half of it. But, yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to you guys if I said Scotland didn't have a – didn't leave an indelible mark on who I am. It absolutely yeah. did. Right. Well, what, uh, where were you at in Scotland? I was on the northeastern – near coast um in the highlands between Aberdeen and Dundee so Dundee is like mid up the from south to north it's midway up and Mm -hmm. Aberdeen is closer to Inverness so further up um and I was at a tiny little naval security group activity that only had 90 marines really small base super remote really isolated well above the arctic circle so you know you had all the, the the funny business with Summers were 20 hour days were 20 hours long. Yeah. Yeah. Winter days are four hours long, you know, and that really does goofy things to your biological time clock. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a real surreal experience. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, that's cool though that, you know, I don't know, I guess I have this vision of the military, like, yeah, you sign on the dotted line, you get no choice that there was some sort of like, well, you know, Greg wants to go there. Let's make it happen. I'll be honest with you. I, I think you're right, Joel. Um, I think it's delineated along the same lines that the disenfranchised are delineated against in all other parts of our society. Yeah. If, right. you're, if you're, if you're smart and you're well-spoken, you're going to get opportunities. The people that maybe aren't, uh, or they didn't do as well on the ASVAB yeah. or right. that were lied to by their recruiter or that right. were taken advantage of by their recruiter. Sure. You're, those are the people that ended up being cooks and grunts and, um, you know, in the case of the, the woman that I was married to the first time, my, our own recruiter sexually harassed her. And so, oh, wow. I mean, that stuff is rampant. It just happens so much. And the yeah. reason I know that is because later in my career, the last thing I did before I got out is I was an instructor back at Paris Island, hmm. um, not a drill instructor, but a marksmanship instructor. So my job was to teach Marine recruits how to shoot, because if you can't do that, 
you, you can't be a Marine. And so I would walk up and down the line on breaks and I would ask these recruits, what's your MOS going to be? And invariably the ones that said grunt or cook had gone in open contract, meaning they weren't guaranteed anything. The recruiter said, just sign here saying you don't need a real contract and you'll get what you want when you get there. We promise. Uh, right. And right. It never goes that way. Wow. So. So how long were you out in Scotland then? I was there for, well, I got there March 1st of 1990 and I left June 20th of 1992. I'm sorry. I can't be more precise. No, uh, yeah, a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was a joke. You were being uh, dude, super that, dry, dude. I am super not. Dry. <laughs> it was like kombucha working out for you there. Dude, it's oh. loosening me up, man. There's no booze in here at all, is there? I don't know. Let's keep drinking and see what happens. Sure. Yeah, I was totally being dry there. So, dude, you are like like the king of that though. You will you will fire something so dry, a joke so dry. I it I can't even it doesn't even register. So <laughs> still got it. If you were wondering, you still got it. But that's good to know, man. Thank you. <clears throat> so cool. yeah, I was there not quite two and a half years. So is um, that when you were done with that? Is that when you separated? Um no, I, I had more. No, I had 10 months left, and that's when I went back to Paris Island. Oh, so sure. I went okay. back to Paris Island and was an instructor for the last 10 months I was in, and then I said, you know what? Uh, two enlistments in the Marine Corps is enough. And if I don't have enough discipline now, then I'm probably never going to have it. And I'm ready to move to the Rocky Mountains and become a new me. Is, yeah. that, what, is that what you did? Absolutely. It just oh. wasn't the new me I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> you, took, you took the old, old you with you. You know, in a funny way, that's exactly what happened. And here's why. Because I don't even know if you guys know this, but the very first time I got sober was when I was in the Marine Corps in Scotland of all places. I mean, of all the places, I did know that I, you've said that in the past. I don't yeah. think I knew that though, or at least so if I, you said it didn't register. Yeah. So I volunteered for inpatient rehabilitation when I was in Scotland because I'd kind of started drinking alcoholically and went to Jacksonville Naval Air Station in Florida, got sober, went back to Scotland, picked up a new stripe, was a, all of a sudden a sergeant world was at my fingertips. Things went great. Spent the rest of my time in the Marine Corps dry as a bone. Wow. And then within, I don't know, I got to Fort Collins in June, late June of 93. Mm -hmm. And by August, I was, I was getting high again. Mm. So you were just like, you weren't, you weren't doing any other things towards sobriety that during that time. And you were just, the Marines were your higher power for that time. And it didn't really work. Yeah, kind of. I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I didn't do any of the work that we all know needs to be done to become a different right. dude. If you want right. long-term sobriety. Yeah. I didn't do any of that. I just stopped. I, I was a dry drunk. <clears throat> and so since, so, so from Colorado to like when we met, which is probably early two thousands, was that just sort of a steady decline into madness? Um, it didn't start <laughs> that way. I think, I, I think things went okay for a while. Um, why did you move to Colorado? Like, what was your intent? It was, it was kind of the same mindset, Steve, that I had about Scotland. Like clearly all things that have to do with Colorado and the Rocky mountains are going to solve all my problems. And I need sure. to exist there. And mm -hmm. so I, I showed up in Fort Collins with a rider truck and, um, my car strapped to the back and, uh, um, not knowing a soul, like not one person and wow. got an I apartment was registered in school and went to Colorado state. Oh, gotcha. Okay. 
Uh, okay, school school choice. Game. I was right wondering on. why Fort Collins instead of Boulder. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got accepted to both, and I uh-huh. went and visited both on the Marine Corps tab, which was pretty cool. Uh huh. So I, I mean, I went to Boulder and visited and checked it out. Went to Fort Collins, and I realized pretty quickly that I wouldn't be able to afford renting a water closet in Boulder, much less you know right. any sort of real lifestyle. And so sure. Fort Collins just seemed like the no brainer choice. Got um, it. And, and at the time, it really was. It was way cheaper to live there then than it is even now. Whenever gotcha. I go to Boulder and visit, I just think, I'm not pretty enough to live here. Yeah. And I get, I literally, I literally, the last time I was there, Joel might remember this. I got, I was, I had a moment where I was standing and look at all, all at all the different recycling bins. And I got mad because I didn't know which cup to put it in. Yeah. <laughs> or like, do I separate this? Like where, Yeah. you know, and some, and some, you know, really beautiful, perfectly toned people walked by and like, well, yeah, yeah. They, they were very yeah. nice and they helped me. And I just yeah. thought I got to get out of here. It's See, basically. I, it's basically Hollywood on the front range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is. I, I don't know that it's always been that way, but I, I definitely, I mean, there's a, I vacillate when I'm there. I'm like, why yeah. don't I live here? Right. To yeah. like, I don't I love visiting there. there. Like I really do, despite what I just said, but being there, I just, it's like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah, and then the, then the, the dark part of my brain is like, I hate all of you people. <laughs> and why in well, the world, is- who, who, like, how do you, this, this this condominium costs 1.4 million dollars like, yeah what the f- okay it it is a lot like la in like mm-hmm. what greg said you know because it is it's like you have to make a certain amount of money to enjoy it you know right. that's the same that's the same way for la like la sucks if you're broke right. it sucks yeah yep. you, you make a certain amount of money it's pretty all right pretty you know? all right sure I can dig I'm, that. I'm guessing among the three of us, I might not be the only dude who, when you're in places like that, and, and I do this, my wife will attest to this, we'll go to some place and I will ask the person who's serving us, whatever service position they're in, is this your only job or, or do you have other jobs or how do you mm. survive here? Like, how, mm-hmm. And I'm not being snarky. I'm asking, right. like, right. how do you make it here? Right. And you know, last time we did that, I think was in Winter Park. We were up in Winter Park with Jack a couple years ago. Yeah. We're going back in August. And the common answer was, well, you know, I have three jobs and I live in a house with five other dudes yeah, and right. not in Winter Park. It's like in some right. other podunk right. area, a little bit down the highway. That's not right. quite as Tony. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. Or you just have a really good sor- alternate source of income. Cough. That. Yeah. <laughs> or you have a ch- or you had just, you know, what, like what everybody else has is a trust fund that you draw sure. on for, you know, right. until you're 50. Right. Yep. Isn't that, isn't that just the way it works? That macrame colored Subaru didn't pay for itself, mister. <laughs> <laughs> sure didn't. Wow. So then then you, um, so the move to Colorado, I'm, I guess if I'm hearing this right, that was also the move away from that first marriage. Is that right? Oh, no. That blew up within months of getting to Hawaii. Um, uh, okay. I, I had already been in and out of my second one. Oh, nice. Oh, good. Right. I was Very on the pro good. circuit. Pro circuit. You're a pro. Yep. So, yeah, I I was not the guy you wanted to be married to back then, um, for sure. But I, I, I can, I mean, I can say this with a hundred percent assurance. You are a dude that you would want to be married to now. Like that's, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm making a hard shift, but I'm very, well, we put a pin in the Royal Tenenbaum's dad situation. I'm very curious about that. Sure. the Gene Hackman character, you said you, you, you were watching and, and reminded you of your, your dad too, sort of, 
absent and then kind of fun loving, but frustrated everybody. Yeah. And I think mostly, I think why my mom and I picked up on that was really purely the absent part. Um, Hmm. Just the, the ability to be so incredibly self-absorbed and um, to not really get the fact that he has in, in our case, two kids, two boys who, desperately wanted him to be an active father in a, in a good role in their lives. Um, yeah. So I think in our case, that's where that, that's, that's where that push being comes from. Was Joel. that, was that a personality thing or was that a commitment to work thing? I, I realize those two things can intersect, but I mean, um, well, that or was he hmm. just, you know, uh, was it a, a narcissism thing or was it a, I think my dad had his own, um, more socially acceptable addictions and sure I, I think maybe it's now now is as good a time as any to just kind of make that left-hand turn and go down that road if that's okay with you guys yeah sure. yeah um so the deal with my dad um i think like like most boys i really looked up to him and i i kind of thought he was my hero and all that good stuff and of course you know seeing the the model marine type character never never hurt and that kind of went south um, when I when I got kicked out of my mom's house and I went to live with him. I was initially really excited about that, and I, I looked at it as, "Man, this is a new high school. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be, if not the best drummer there, I'm going to be one of the best, and I'll certainly make do with what I can do there. And it's going to be, you know, new girls, new scene, new everything. I looked at it as this wide open opportunity, and by and large, it was just that. Mm. The problem was he. Um, at that point, I, I mean, I didn't really have any real understanding that apparently there are just some dudes who shouldn't be dads. And I would learn that l- much, much later. Like I would just come to this sort of understanding that he just was never really cut out to do this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time though, it was much easier to blame it on his then second wife. Um, he married this woman, um, who was, oh, I mean, I can look at things from where I sit now and say she probably had some sort of borderline personality disorder or she was oh, just wow. incredibly mean-spirited. The typical step monster that everybody heard about John Hughes movies, I mean, all of it was there, right? Yeah, yeah. The kind of woman that called my eight-year-old brother a faggot. Um, that's mm. the kind of person oh. she was. Wow. Um, and you can Sweetheart. edit that out if you need to. Um, but so that was the kind of person that I was living with as a stepmom. Um, and over that 16 months I was there. Um, what I realized is that there was always going to be a triangle. There was always going to be a polarization and it was never going to be he and I as a tight knit unit, which is what I was hoping for. Um, it was either going to be all of us or it was going to be me on the outside with him always aligned with her against me. And I know that sounds awfully, I don't know, soap opera ish, but that was the reality on the ground. And So that, that started to take a toll. And the way that kind of came to a conclusion is, you know, I told you I came back here for my junior and senior year. That's not the way things were supposed to go. I was here to visit my mom for 30 days and to see my friends and say, hey, I've got this cool new life at Reston. And anyway, good luck to you guys. And I'll see you after high school, you know? Yeah. So I, I come back here and literally the day before I was supposed to go back, he called and I, and I mean, this is one of those things where you guys probably have flashbulb moments in your life where you, you remember every detail of that scene of whatever yeah. that was, you oh, know, yeah. and in my case, that's definitely one of them. And I, I'll never forget this. I answered the phone and I said, hello. And without even any sort of niceties or, you know, Hey, sure have missed you, pal. It was Greg, this, your dad, let me talk to your mom. Mm. Just 
that perfunctory, that short. I'm like, uh, okay. So she gets on the phone and they talk for a couple minutes and she hangs up. And my mom looks at me and says, your dad told me that Jan says, if you come back, she's going to leave. So you can't come back. Wow. And right there was basically a fulcrum. It was, well, literally it was a fulcrum. There was before that moment. And then there's my life and me and my existence after that moment. And they were never going to be the same again. I've Mm -hmm. never been the same since that very moment when I realized my dad just sold me down the river. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The dude who's supposed to be on my team Mm -hmm. and who had every reasonable ability to stand up to her and say, do you have any idea how insane it is for you to ask me to give up my children for you? Yeah. But didn't do that. Mm. So that's where it all started. And Mm. it would be okay if, if it was just that, but that woman was his second wife. She was his third wife and she was also his fourth wife. Okay. <laughs> all right. You heard, so you heard did, me right. Did, so did go you go to all app. did you go to all the weddings? No, 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 no. But I did get the benefit <laughs> of getting that same alienation and that same expectation from her every time they reconciled. Ah, uh, so, so what when it meant she, was, Yeah, yep, when so she's what there, Greg's was, not. Yeah. Yep. So in other words, when they were divorced, I would kind of reach out and try to bring him back into the fold. And he would kind of make some meandering half-assed efforts to do that. Um, including when Jack's mom and I were getting married. That was the last time that I did that. Mm-hmm. So he came and he paid for the rehearsal dinner and paid for all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, was generally a part of things. And that was kind of nice. And then they reconciled again. And it was right back to, well, you know the deal. I mean, I'm back with Jan and I can't have anything to do with you boys now. And mm. wow. so the repeated, the repeated trauma and just the unspeakable insanity of that position and the, and the absolute cowardice and weakness that, that it takes to occupy that space, I guess, willingly. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that takes a toll. Yeah. I mean, and, and to be sort of repeatedly and systematically cut out because of one person's presence, right. Uh, you know, that like you, 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 you mentioned trauma. I mean, Greg, that's, that's, that's trauma. That's traumatic. That's, um, that's horrible. You know, that's abusive and shitty. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I've, as you might imagine, I've really, I've really wrestled with this, um, numerous ways over the years, particularly since getting sober. Yeah. And you know, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't. I don't really think I understood just how how um, damaging my experience with my dad was until I'd been maybe five, six, seven, even eight years sober. Yeah, right. It took me that long to because you know, I mean, when I was younger, I was like, ah, whatever. I mean, so I had a shitty dad. Everybody's got shitty dads, or right. most a lot of people have shitty dads. Well, yes, but in my case, it still had an impact, and it was still um, it was still pretty. Man, that was a lot of gravity. That was a lot of yeah. weight, and um, and and I and I, as you'll as you'll soon, I guess here, boy, I wasn't really prepared for just how heavy that really was until I had my own kid, until I had my own little boy. Right. right. And so, you know, that now that's a whole different paradigm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, but it's what's um, yeah, that that's what you said there too. I want to put a pin in as well, or at least address that. Like, mm-hmm. and I know Steve can talk to this too. It's like you said, you're eight, nine years sober before that really came to light. I mean, man, that's, 
I mean, I don't know. Somebody might be listening to it like, oh, these guys are sober. And, and once they get sober, everything's great. It's like, man, that is such a falsehood. It's like, sure. it. I mean, it takes eight or it takes time years and it takes and cons- years and years and years to like actually uncover some of that shit. That's really vulnerable and tender and traumatic. And you, we don't even have, I mean, it's like, there's stuff that I'm just looking at in the last four or five years that like, you know, I, I didn't know was there. And right. Wasn't ready to deal with until now. Absolutely. And I, I really, obviously um, you've known me long enough to know that I, when I said, I'm hoping that if I get a chance to talk to you guys for an hour and you know, you manage to ask some really great insightful questions and I managed to, to maybe tell a little bit of my story and how things went and how I was able to come, I guess, full circle with some of this stuff that there has to be somebody out there that's going to get some motivation and some inspiration and some strength and hope from this. And I really, really want that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's what this whole thing's about. I mean, Steve and I like to just make each other laugh, but you know, what this is really about is, is trying to be better people, trying to be better human beings. Well, Um, we've, we've been fortunate to have a few people on here that um, have shared some really um, difficult things with, uh, you know, with the internet uh, through this show. And so like you doing that kind of falls in that category and I'm, frankly honored that you would do so yeah um in the hopes that if there's somebody that's listening that can get some because you have uh i know you and i know the life you have today and i know the life that you came from and i know that you have done the work um to have a life today that is not rooted in insanity (laughs) yeah (laughs) like you have a pretty you have a pretty nice life today i do my wife gets a lot of the credit there. Um, she's sure. an incredibly patient woman who is my biggest fan, and I have to give her as much credit as, as I can. Um, I also think it's important to note that each of you two have played a pretty significant role in my life. Um, you know, both of you guys were willing to tell me things that I was uncomfortable to hear uh, pretty early on. You know, S- Steve, you and I worked together for a time in sure. the program, and uh, Joel, you and I have always been pretty tight. And, yeah. um, that needs to be known that, you know, these friendships matter. These connections matter. Um, mm-hmm. I love the fact that you guys are still best friends after all these years. Um, and I love the fact that, you know, at the, like you said at the beginning, that the three of us have seen each other at probably our worst and probably our, at least close to our best. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I've told both of you what my indelible memories of you guys are from, from those early days that they are, they are righteous memories. I'm here to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've, we've got good ones and we won't, we won't necessarily have to unpack all of them. But one thing that I will say is that, uh, you know, like when I'm being a shitty friend, Greg, what I love and respect about your honesty and clarity is that you'll call me on it. Like, Hey dude, like we don't talk and I don't know if we're pals. Are we pals? And then I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Shit. Yeah. We are pals. I'm like, okay, well, I wasn't sure. I mean like that sort of directness is, is so packed full of love. Cause it's like, Hey dude. I'm not going to keep throwing it out there. If you're not going to respond, like, you know, like I tremendous respect um, on that. So thanks for saying that. I, I definitely want to get into the, the transition from you having that experience that you had repeatedly with your father. Mm -hmm. But you said, you said something that I I didn't want to throw away. You said, you know, most people quote unquote have shitty dads. Well, your son, Jack, does not have a shitty dad word like, 
and Steve's girls do not have a shitty dad. You nope. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that, how that journey has been? Like when Jack showed up on the scene, like what did that do to you? And, and because yeah. I don't have kids, I have no plans on having kids, but if I have kids, I want to be a dad like both of you are to your children. Thank you. Look, very much. Yeah. I very much appreciated to hear that. And I totally agree on Steve as well. Um, I, I absolutely can can talk about that. That's most of the reason I wanted to be here with you guys tonight. Um, mm. I wanted to tell you a couple of quick things about my dad before we move on. Um, I, we have, what, about 15 minutes? Is that right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to make clear, and this may be the most controversial thing I say all night, is that I absolutely do not forgive him. And I want, mm. I want, to, I want to tell you why I say it like that. Yeah. First of all, all the big book thumpers are going to come out and say, oh, my God, you can't say that if you're just drinking poison, expecting him to die, you know, all that. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I get it. Here's the thing, though. I, I, I've done a lot of soul searching on this. I've, I've been meditating for years. I've been finding and refinding ways to forgive people. Um, and what I've come to about that particular person, um, particularly with the way things ended, is that there are simply situations in life where things were so bad and so heinous and unnecessarily so that it's actually better for me to not really force myself into a situation of forgiveness when I can actually just use that as fuel. Mm. And so for me, that's what I've done. I've, I've used that as fuel to keep working on me, uh, to keep playing that sort of faded blueprint in my head about what I will never be to my little boy, um, to try to not make the mistakes that I saw him make that were easily avoidable um, and to continue to look in the mirror. You know, one of my favorite musicians is Bob Mould from Whisker Do, and he's the mm-hmm. dude that said, revolution starts at home, preferably in the bathroom mirror. Wow. I read that when I was like 16 years old. I was like, oh my God, I think the, inter- the universe just broke. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it when I wrote, when I read that. So that's big stuff, but it takes, yeah. it's hard. And, yeah. and, while I'll be the first to admit that I probably am hanging on to stuff that maybe there's a way to let go of, I, I, want, I want people out there that aren't able to forgive yet to let them know that's fine. That's mm, okay. Sure. You don't, you don't have to be the Dalai Lama, man. You mm. can figure out a way around this. If you need to hang on to it, so be it. I, like, uh, I like Mark Maron saying some things just aren't going to get unfucked. Yeah. Yep. So for him, I, I, I needed to get that out there. I do not forgive that man. He's been dead since 2015. I'm probably never going to forgive him. Mm. Um, and more importantly, because we're going to, you know, kind of talk about my, my situation with Jack and being a dad. Um, if I had the opportunity to go back and rewrite this, I wouldn't change any of it. And here's why. If, if I hadn't, if my dad hadn't been the guy that he was in all of the, you know, resplendent horror and glory at times, I'm worried that I wouldn't be so focused and present on trying to maximize every minute that I have with my kid mm. that I'm just not willing to risk that. In other words, if that's the price that I had to pay to be where I'm at right now in my family with my little boy, man, I'm here to tell you, I'd go back and pay it twice. I'd do it again. I wouldn't mm. change a single thing. I, Greg, I think that's really powerful, dude. Cause like, I am also learning that, you know, everybody's journey with their past or people in their lives is their journey. And, 
I think that's super helpful for you to just put it like that. I mean, it it hits me. I mean, being grow, being raised in a Judeo Christian sort of thing, forgiveness is like just like the whole the thing we talk about over and over ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's something really honest and healthy with like no. I mean, just letting folks know, like if you're at a spot where you can't, don't. <laughs> you know, like just don't. I mean, it's you know, it doesn't sound like it's eating your lunch. It sounds like it's pushing you forward. So that's your, you know, that's your story. Yeah. It's really just, I've kind of come to a place in my life now where I've, I've sort of, I guess, come to peace with the terms and, and I'm okay with that. Um, There are days that I need to turn the music up loud and kind of stomp around in the basement with that sort of self-righteous, ridiculous fury that we do, you know, when, Oh yeah. Henry Rollins talks about putting on a cape and having a celery stick as a microphone and put your <laughs> foot up on the monitor and pretending you're Ronnie James Dio. I think, you know, if I need to do that every now and then, sure, that's fine. You do. Um, uh, please tell me you, you, you do the Ronnie James Dio thing. <laughs> Devil woman, look out. <laughs> See, I'm more of a Bon Scott guy. That's where I yeah. had. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I, yeah. I, when, whenever, I mean, you know, I want to be Eddie Vedder swinging from the trusses, you know, throwing myself right. into a, a mosh pit. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> um, so, yeah. I mean, what that, I, what I hear and just a, I don't know, I keep talking about I, I, the, the, the whole thing about not forgiving your dad is profound and beautiful and interesting um, because what I hear, I mean, as I look at it through my, my path, a Buddhist lens, it's like the point is that we're seeing, that we see things clearly and we allow the feelings to be there and we watch them come and go. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're seeing it clearly. And if that ain't, if that ain't the real point, then I don't know what it like, if, you know what I mean? Like we got to see our things clearly. Sure. That's what, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And much like you, man, meditation saves my butt um, daily, if yeah. not weekly daily. Um, yeah. I mean, and so I'm right there with you. I, 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 I don't know that I, I don't know that I've ever actually used the label, but if I have told people, if I, if you had to give me a label, Zen is probably as close as you're going to get. Yeah, and, right. um, and I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, yeah. but yeah, meditation for me is all about, Hey, look at that. It's me grinding my teeth into incandescent fury again. Okay. Well, let's just <laughs> have that sit by me for a little bit and you can be here for a while and then we'll see yeah. if it goes, maybe something else will come and hang out. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure like, I'm sure you guys can identify with this. I, I've been doing this for years and I feel like I'm still terrible at it. Um, I'm not really, but you know, mm-hmm. 10 minutes of silence in my head. That's a long time. people. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of the conversation we had with Mary Stan cabbage, you know, several, several podcasts ago, the Buddhist teacher, and she's more of a Pasana or, you know, traditional Buddhism, but mm-hmm. she was talking about, yeah, sometimes the label, sometimes, you know, telling somebody I'm a Buddhist is useful. And sometimes telling somebody I'm a Buddhist is totally not useful. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like the label, is it useful or not? You know, like that's, that's the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. That's an interesting thing. She said, I need to listen to that one. I, that's one of them that I haven't heard. You, yeah, you should. It's She's fun. Mary's great. I mean, if that's, if that only gets you to listen to Mary more and listen right. to her Dharma talks, then she's fantastic. So he really is hearing references for, to her from you guys. That's pretty much enough for me. So yeah, sure. Count yeah. Me in. Mary's great. So um, that's, that's really, cause like, I, I've gotten to the point that I don't know if forgiveness is the right word, 
but I've had to just let some stuff go. Mm-hmm. And it, it may not be with a kiss and a bow. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Like, I mean, like, oh, we're just just this happy cloud and I'm just going to let it poof off, you know, but it's, it's all I, I, I understand the fuel thing, but it's off. I've kind of gotten to the point like I just got other shit to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I really yep. I just have other things to do. I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. And there's that feeling and that whatever the seething and the hurt and all that. But it's like, I just, okay. And, and I, I have definitely, especially in this past year have sat with some of that where maybe I hadn't for a while and sure. it could get kind of intense. Um, yep. like really, really, you know, it's six o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting in my little meditation space. Like, Oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> like, I can't believe I have to go to work in an hour because I yeah. got, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's been really good. Um, mm-hmm. So I, but it's, it's almost like it has to be kind of metered out a little bit. Hmm. Um, cause like it was, we were just saying like this, like, the, you know, I'll be 50 in June and like the first 30 years of my life were, they're kind of tumultuous. So it's like, mm-hmm. is that all going to get fixed right away? No, hell I'd still, I don't even know my last, if anything, the last year has shown me is that I have no idea what's coming. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I really have no idea what's going to open up right in front of me. I have no idea what uh, I'm going to be shown, you know? Mm. And so that's, and, and the, the thing that's really cool about that is that um, I'm, I like look forward to that <laughs> mostly. The other really, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like when, the other- when, when uh, Luke looks at Yoda and says, I'm not afraid. And Yoda says, you will be. You- you will be, <laughs> you like, will but, I, be. but like I signed on for that experience a long time ago. Right. You know? Yeah. I was going to say the other cool thing about this is that between the three of us, we're looking at, I don't know, 57, 58 years of sobriety combined. Oh, yeah. Shit. That's pretty cool because yeah. this has not been an easy, I, I, I can't speak for you guys, but I've gone through stuff in sobriety. That's way harder way harder than getting and staying sober oh totally oh, oh for big, sure yeah oh yeah 100 well, percent. Yeah, yeah 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 yep now it all would have been a lot worse had i been using yes i might I probably wouldn't have survived some of them frankly yeah, yeah. i've just gone through an experience where i'm trying to help um an old family friend's kid who's our age he's class of 85 from southeast um kind of get where we're trying where we are you know we are and yeah. Um, he's Which in a, rough- on a spiritual mountaintop. <laughs> <laughs> we should just make that really clear that yeah, he's we're, got a long way to climb. Yeah, we're really, we really <laughs> figured this out, everybody. We're really perfect. Yep. We are beacons of helpfulness. That's yeah, right. So, really. um, but, you know, this guy's in a weird situation. He lives, I don't want to go into too much detail for anyone out there that might recognize it, but he lives in a situation where he has no accountability. He will mm-hmm. not have any accountability. All his mm-hmm. bills are paid. The wrong people are paying all of it, and he has no real motivation because nothing needs to change. Sure. But he's still gonna he's still gonna die. I remember my yeah. first sober mentor sponsor saying, like, because I was probably complaining about how broke I was and how I didn't know how, I couldn't figure out how to balance my checkbook from day to day, you know. And mm-hmm. he was like, he was like, man, I don't know how rich people get it. I don't know how I don't know how people with with complete un unimpeded privilege get it i mean it Mm -hmm. happens for sure but you have to get to that point where you don't have any other options so yeah there are certainly stories of that 
guys like Robert Downey Jr. and other stuff like that. But, you know, if I had been in this person's situation, I would have been dead a long time ago. I would have. I'd I'd end up like, uh, you know, Jerry Garcia. Yeah, right, right. Where everything around you is just sort of you're taking care of taking care of. Oh, and don't forget, you're also the linchpin for the organization. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I had, you know, and this is a tangent, but I, I've, you've talked to me about that situation with Jerry and and all rock stars in that spot, I guess, but it's not really hit me until it it put it in a better perspective with pandemic times and like concerts coming back. Cause like there's, there's a whole machine that's just waiting to be unleashed again. Oh yeah. And it's like to have that pressure around you and on you all the time. That was, that was the thing about that is that they could have pulled the plug at any time. Yeah. Mm. But Garcia would have just left. (laughs) He (laughs) would have gone out with his band. Yeah. I got a band guys. Right. Bye. Right. They love me over there. I'll go over there. Pretty much. Um, That was what a, a quick anecdote just about Greg, but, uh, uh <laughs> when when they had an intervention on him the band actually tried to have an intervention in 85 ish but that went well well what happened was uh you know they sat him down and they said it's either the drugs or us and garcia cocked an eyebrow and said upon a careful consideration i'm gonna have to stick with the drugs <laughs> and then and then he looked and it was it was billy the drummer that kind of stood <laughs> up and he, he and he turned and looked at Billy and said, besides, it's a lot easier to replace a drummer than it is a guitar player. Mercy. Woo. Plus, they had and two. They just so. sat down and the show went on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they had two drummers as well. Well, right. But I mean, like that was <laughs> that, that, that image of uh, yeah. I, I love that Garcia and he said, like, this image of me of being this big fluffy teddy bear guy is like, I'm as bloody minded as the next guy. Right. That, that's awesome. Yeah. We're good time pirates, but we're still pirates. Right. Oh, hundred percent. That was my, that's one of my all time favorite Garcia quotes is from like 71. when people were accusing him of selling out then for making, you know, working man's dead. He's like, i really feel sorry for people who take us too seriously. What we are is good time pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. we're coming into town and we're going to take your money and some of your women and everybody's going to have a gas and then we're going to roll on, <laughs> you know, rock and roll. Yep. Well, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Greg, at least, and I know it's true because I, because I see it on, on social media. Um, your, your connection to your son is incredible. Like you're teaching him like survival skills right now. Like he's out outside in the woods, like building lean twos and skinning bears or something. What's happening out there? <laughs> hey, so when, the, when, when the shit goes down, I'm coming to hang out with you guys. Cause exactly. you know more than I do. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, he might I, let he you crash. He might let well, you Greg's a marksman. Here. Greg's knows that. Greg yep. knows how to shoot stuff. His son will just teach us how to forage for berries and build, you know, shelters. It'll be great. Sweet. If you guys I can are bring lucky, a couple chickens. Yeah, if you guys are lucky, he might let you crash down in the Lego lab. I love Ooh. it. That'd be great. So nice. yeah, as far as Jack goes, um, that 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 also had its sort of fulcrum, if you will. Um, as you guys probably know, my, my divorce from his mom was pretty contentious. Um, I, I don't hold any ill will toward her now. Um, mm-hmm. And she and I are actually doing a far side better as far as, you know, being decent humans to each other and, and being good co-parents. And, and I give her all the credit where credit is due, particularly over the last six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. It's been markedly different. 
That's good. great. Um, and good for her. And, and that's like, I, I'm stoked. So, yeah. but it wasn't always like that. And sure. when we split up, um, I was mortified, not because I was losing my marriage to her, but because I'd never done this with a kid. And I really um, knew that I was in a bad situation being the single dad instead of the single mom. And I didn't know how this was going to go. And I also wasn't as comfortable financially as I am now. So I was worried about everything. I was worried about money. I was worried about if I was going to get a fair shake by the courts. I was worried if I was going to basically be able to be the dad in, in this little boy's life that I already knew was my mission, you know, based on my own experience with my dad. And so there was one, there was one moment uh, that I really wanted to make sure that I shared in this podcast. And that was, you know, right after I'd served her papers and I've got a lawyer and she's got a lawyer and it's all, we're all lawyered up and it's super acrimonious and just ugly all around. And the initial default plan in the state of Nebraska is 10 and four. And what that means is the mom's going to get the kid 10 days. You're going to get the kid four days out of every two weeks. That's just mm -hmm. the way it is. That's yeah. the default. Plan. So we were in that we were just beginning that. And the, the very first time that I had to drop Jack off at his then daycare, I mean, he was barely two. And I dropped him off at this daycare and it was the beginning of that first 10 days without it. And I dropped him off there and I got back in my truck and I just sat there and I just sobbed. I just, yeah. I, I just cried uncontrollably. And my, my real fear, my, 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 the thing that I just couldn't shake is what am I going to do if my little boy forgets me? Is, is, 10, is 10 days long enough for a two-year-old to forget his dad? I don't know. Maybe. And so I, I'd asked a few people um, and, you know, everybody says the thing that they hope is going to make you feel better, but deep down inside, I just didn't know that. And there was only one way to find out and it was to go through that 10 days. And it was brutal. It was just ugly. So, you know, 10 days go by and I, and I go by to pick Jack up after that 10 day period. And I pull up to his daycare and I, I'm just, I'm just hollow with, pain and fear and um, uncertainty. And I get out of my truck and I don't even notice, I'm so self-absorbed with what's going on inside me that I don't even notice that, that the little kids that are outside in their little, you know, chain link fenced in play area. And it's brutal, brutal cold. It's, you know, I, it, this was November, December by this time. I remember it was just biting cold and I get out of my truck and I'm walking toward the door. And, and this is another one of those flashbulb things that I will just never forget. I hear this little voice behind me and it says, my daddy's here. Mm. And I look behind me and there's Jack and he's, he's got his little fingers wrapped in the chain link and he's holding onto the fence and he's looking at me with his little hat on. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he said that. And I knew right then that this kid's not going to forget me. Mm. I just need to show up. I just need to be present. All mm -hmm. the time that I can be present, I need to be focused on him. I need to be the guy that he needs me to be. And I just need to keep doing that. And we'll see where this goes. So that was the initial moment. Um, and ever since then, I've put a lot of time and effort into making sure that I maximize really what I'm, what I'm given. And what I'm given is more than a lot of dads are given. Yeah. Um, some of that I paid for. I've since taken his mom, uh, back into the system to renegotiate a better plan. I have a better plan than I did at that time. Um, 
all in all, I get Jack about 40% of the time. I wish it was 50, but it's not 30. And right. there's a lot of dudes where it is 30, you know? Yep. So it is what it is. But yep. that moment was really the, the fulcrum for where I kind of sprang and just kept going. And what that taught me is all the stuff that I never got from my dad, I, I have all the capability. Everything I need is within me if I'm willing to be present. And yeah. that is such a, it, it sounds so cliche. And I know you guys know that it sounds so cliche, but man, is, is there so much weight and value in that? Um, and I, yeah. I've, I've gotten to show that for another seven years since that time happened. Right. Mm. So there's a couple yeah. ways. Uh, I was going to say, so go ahead. Go. go. Um, there's a couple ways where I make sure that that's going to live even beyond me. Um, one of them is I started a file. It's uh, not very cleverly named. It's called the Jack file. And what it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically a stream of consciousness collection uh, of dates and my thoughts written out in narrative of things that I want him to know and things that I want him to learn from me in case something happens and I don't stick around as long as I think I'm going to. Mm. That's not meant to sound as uh, macabre as it probably does. I don't have any reason to believe that I'm in poor health. I think I'm actually in pretty good health, but I am 53 years old and he's not, and I don't know how long that's going to be. And so I've got this file that Amy has explicit instructions about how to go about getting this to him in at least two different formats so that at some point, you know, he can come back and say, I'm going to, I'm going to have an afternoon reading through what my dad was all about mm. and maybe learn a few things that I didn't even know. Wow. Um, so that's beautiful. <laughs> that's incredible. Steve, you were going to say something a little bit ago. Well, that's uh, just what Greg was saying is like the one thing that, and, and I'm not perfect at this, but really all my daughters want is my attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really, they just want me to be around. Yeah. That's all they want. I mean, like we bought them some bikes recently and we try to get them, you know, the things that they need and some of the things that they want. And, uh, but really they don't like ultimately what they want is for me to just be around and to be part of their lives. Yeah. Absolutely. And some days, frankly, that's hard. Like some days I'm kind of offline just because yeah. of work or whatever, you know, yep. like I just don't have it. But, uh, I, even on those days, I give them the benefit of the doubt of being you know mature enough even at their young ages to say look i love you guys but i don't have it today like it's yeah. for whatever reason and they'll say oh well, that's fine and then they'll go read or play or whatever you know yeah there's been a couple times when i've had to talk to my wife and say look i need 30 minutes yeah can you take him can you can you just manufacture something to do real quick I, right i need 30 minutes i've got to have some downtime because yeah man i mean it can be exhausting um but you're right. That's the deal. I, I just, it's the time it's the focus. It's being present. So and like being mm -hmm. honest with them in an age appropriate way mm -hmm. about the world and their world and kind of what, you know, like they, they're not stupid. They know when they're being lied to, yeah. <laughs> you know, that brings up another, that actually brings up another good point. One of the things that I've had to learn to do, um, and I say learn because it's different when it's your own kid versus somebody in, I don't know, AA or, you know, an adult family member, but when I'm wrong with Jack and I have been wrong, there have been times when I've just been wrong in whatever way, like I was short with him or, mm -hmm. you know, I just run out of patience and he wants me to tell him again, why uh, the thing. Yeah. That thing. And I have to go back to him and say, look, buddy, Hey, listen, I was wrong. And mm -hmm. 
I'm really sorry that I treated you that way. And I'd like you to forgive me. Can you do that? And of course he's like, you bet dad, you know, but (laughs) I have to do that. I have to take that action because I'm not, I'm just not willing to let those things pile up. I do that too. He needs to hear that. Wow. My dad is fallible. Sure. Oh, hundred percent. Cause you remember what it was like looking at your own dad when you were nine. My dad was God when I was nine. Yeah. I just, uh, that's just it. Like I have no problem. I, cause I, I mess up, you know, mm-hmm. e- even if it's a little thing, like they'll ask me like, Hey dad, what's uh X and I'll go, X is this. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, uh, uh, I'll check that and be like, uh, actually X is kind of more like Y and like, yeah, we kind of thought that maybe, you know, <laughs> but just to know that, like, I, you know, I'm, I don't have all the answers and we're very open with that, especially yeah. with like, for example, junior high math. <laughs> right like well, this oh, year man. in particular it's coming, isn't it like we've had to tell the girls like you're gonna have to your, ask your teacher like i could sit and bang my head against this all night long but i'm not gonna because frankly i don't want to and and you'll get a better answer from your teacher in the morning you know yeah, and they're like awesome. they kind of scowl a little bit because we're not gonna fix the problem for them right away but hey welcome to life yep totally so i don't know i've i've mowed the vast majority of the time like I think parenthood's a gas Mm. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I've got daughters that are, you know, preteen and teen now. So I'm just battening down the hatches. Um, and there's already some of that happening, you know, but it's, I, you know, like I don't, my identity isn't 100% wrapped up in their success or, Mm. you know, or anything, you know, it's like they get, they get to be teenagers you know, if the, one of them's got kind of a crappy attitude, I chalk it up to being, you know, almost 14. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, what, what, what else are you going to do? You know, I, Absolutely. I, I, like, yeah. like I, I'm trying to give them that space to be sullen or just irritated at me mm-hmm. or the world or whatever. Cause that's the other thing is that like, they even like, they know, they know that a, not everything they're being taught in school is correct. And they know that they're, you know, their world's kind of messed up. Yeah. It's and almost so, impossible to shield them from all of it. Right. And so that's like, I figure that my job in that arena is to, again, not lie to them, but also try to give them some sort of example that like, despite all of that, it's the desiderata thing. We're just looking at the desiderata. It's like strive to be happy. Like the world is messed up. There's no question about that. So Mm -hmm. you can either get all balled up about it and be miserable, or you can do what needs to be done so that you can be happy in this crazy mixed up world. Yeah. They're kind of like, yeah, all right. You can get behind that. You know, thanks for the reminder too, that I need to remember that there's going to come a time soon. It hasn't gotten here yet, but there will come a time soon when Jack is just simply going to be unhappy with me. Yeah. And um, that's probably going to be a rough acclimatization for me. Um, it's not as hard as you think it is kind of actually like, yeah. like the first time I was like, Oh, what, what is happening? I'm right. I'm, Don't you know, know who I am? I'm melting, right? Melting, you know, but then it's like, yeah. after a while, it's like, no, oh, it's just, it's just, you know, teens and whatever. They'll get yep. over it. I'm hoping I'll deal with it the same as I did when I realized this kid does not want to be a drummer and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> yep take the drumsticks take the drumsticks or sell his kit to a friend and buy more symbols could go either way 
There you go. Yeah. I've had some of those moments too. Like, no, that's not going to happen. The one thing that I am pretty adamant about is piano. Like I, because I keep telling them, it's like, a, if you can play the piano, you can play anything Yep. and B in 20 or 30 years, it's going to be a source of serenity, joy, entertainment. You'll be the coolest kid at the party when you can plop down to the piano and play the latest, whatever dumb pop song, you know, mm -hmm. Like that's that those are all things and you just learn like music is the language of the universe. So being able to have a rudimentary understanding of it and ability to perform it or appreciate it is it's critical. It's apps and and so I'm fair that's kind of a non-negotiable for me. But everything mm -hmm. else is like whatever, try it. You like it, great. If you don't, fine. How long have they taken piano, Steve? Three, four years now, I think. Yep. It's not hardcore. I mean, their teachers just they, their, te their, their teachers kind of on the same page I am. I mean, we're not. It's not like that that movie Whiplash with the drummer guy. Right. You know, it's like as long as they just like have fun and understand that being able to make melodies on a piano is a lot of fun. But you have to get through the 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 rudimentary basics of it, which isn't fun. Mm -hmm. It's boring and it sucks, and you have to practice right. the thing over and over and over again. But all of a sudden, it's like one day you're like, I'm playing a song. And it feels good. Like that's yeah. where the gravy's at. You got to get over that hump though. So we're working yeah. on that. Cool. Jack took piano for two years and that was his agreement. And that was the commitment we asked him to agree to. And so sure. when that two years was up, we, we let him cut loose, but that foundation is critical and he's still using it. He just sure. likes, he just likes to track and, and, uh, uh, transpose Minecraft songs in my studio. <laughs> you know, well, so. but see, that's awesome. Like that's right. awesome. That's and what he's into. That's the future. I mean, a certain level playing the, like the acoustic instrument, the piano is like learning Latin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I, I feel like, I think, have we done it? I feel like we've kind of done it. I think we have. Joel, um, you're muted or you've lost your microphone. Joel's, Joel's not, I can see him talk. His lips are moving, but no sounds coming out. Hmm. Okay. We, oh, we're having technical difficulties. No worries. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we did it. Um, I'm I think we did really great. I'm really grateful to you guys for your for your time tonight and that we well, weren't really I'm screaming. Can no, you there you me? go. Now we can hear you. Well, I'm now good mic. Whatever. I'm throwing this mic in the trash. That's a good idea. It's kind of um well, we would be okay. Well, Steve, we have to ask the question. Oh yeah. Joel asked the question now that you can talk. So sad about my microphone. Okay. Um Greg. <laughs> yep. What are you what are you listening to? You know me, man. I'm I'm pretty fired up about instrumental post rock. Um, I listen to a lot of that, but you know what else I'm listening to? What's that? 1965 Miles Davis. Oh, live at the, live at the plug. Live at the plug. Nickel. Cool. Wow. That's love it, man. That's more punk rock than any punk rock I'm aware of. It's nice. so amazing. It is so badass. I'm, I'm not familiar with that particular record, but that's right smack dab between, you know, like kind of blue and bitches brew. So I bet it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. It was the highlight of his acoustic uh, quintet. I mean, Herbie Hancock. Come on. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Ron I mean, Carter on bass, um, you know, Wayne Shorter on sax, the yeah. inimitable 17 year old Tony Williams on drums. The dude was a prodigy. So for me, I mean, as a drummer, it's like getting a, a postdoctoral clinic on ride symbol use. It's just it blows me away. All right. I'm in. That's that'll be my ride to work tomorrow. 
What's, and I'm going to answer this question for you. The top instrumental post-rock band for you is Caspian. Am I correct in that statement? Um, I don't know if I would label it just a one. You certainly know that they were kind of the, my, they were my epiphany for sure. They, they, along with 14 nights at sea and hammock, uh, those three bands all around the 2011, 2012 timeframe really showed me a different way that I could be as a, as a musician or as even a fan of music. But man, there's a bunch of instrumental post-rock out there. That's pretty amazing. Um, if I had to pick one band where I am constantly reminded every time I hear them, like almost brought to tears of joy, it would probably be hammock. Hammock dude. Uh, okay. You turned me on to hammock and I, I, they, they are, they're in my rotation more than any of those other bands that we've listened to like Caspian or explosions in the sky. And I've even seen explosions in the sky, but hammock. Were you at that show in 2012 with the bourbon? Oh my God. That was the best show I've ever seen. at the Bourbon. You were there. I was there. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, I was there too. It was the best. And and also that place kind of, I mean, who cares? It sounds like shit unless it's full. And that place was full. So it, it was sounded full. really good. Usually the bourbon sounds like ass if there's not enough people in there. But there yeah, I've seen Caspi in there too. Oh, woof. That was a, that was a, that was, my wife said, are these guys always this violent? <laughs> 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 and not like breaking stuff or threatening people. Just, I mean, the ferocity of their show that night was yikes. Well, we 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 all went and we all went and saw the 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 um, Russian circles, Russian, Russian circles, circles. Chicago's Ooh. finest. That was heavy. Yeah, it was man. heavy. I, Not a cheap curiosity. I even sat in Steve's minivan and got glitter on my butt. Right, you did. Yeah. <laughs> you know how long it took for me to get that off my clothes? Glitter is forever. It's probably still there. Probably it's the gonorrhea of craft supplies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, Colin was with us that night. Yep. That was yep. a fun night. It was a good yeah. night. Absolutely. I mostly had fun goofing on whatever opening one of those opening acts with the guy with the lead singer guy that took himself way too seriously. Yeah. He was like trying yeah. to be threatening yeah. to the yeah. crowd, and I was just like laughing at him, which he didn't like very much. I'm like, dude, you're a clown. <laughs> oh boy, clown. I didn't. I don't remember that. Like, I, I must have been Kill you, my. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever, man. I guess. Oh boy. Whatever. But I did not have that response to Russian circles. Those guys brought the they brought the the swirling maelstrom of yeah yeah, yeah. decibels yeah maelstrom that's as the, as the dude in the front row at Mogwai said that night you melt on our faces we have no faces, <laughs> faces quote of the wild. year I dig it yeah wow greg thank you so much man thank you for being open and vulnerable and thank you for um thank you for reaching out i mean i'm glad we were able to have you on and um yeah you're an awesome dude and we're really lucky to get to have you on our podcast man. and just to be you know friends yeah Yeah, i was gonna say listen my friends the privilege here was all mine i really i'm looking forward to uh playing music with you Oh, that's right. You guys play some music together. We do. We make uh, formless electric sounds <laughs> that occasionally. We do stuff. Yeah. We do yeah, stuff. But fun. like Steve said, rock and roll is mandatory. And so yeah, rock and roll is mandatory. Well, it's a nice, you know, it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from, from my other thing, doing the Rolling Stones. Right. You know, it so is. It's by like, the way, my wife and I are going to go to that. Oh, that'll be awesome. Yeah. Isn't Del- is Delaney in that band too? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Eric that's Steve. what I thought. I mean, yeah. who else is you going to get Lincoln, Nebraska to play Mick Jack? That's what I'm no, saying. He's, he's, he's the pretty- guy. <laughs> he's the guy. And yeah, it's man. great. He's really good. 
He's really I, good. I bet he is. Yeah. I bet he is. And the We're rest of the band's there. pretty solid too. I mean, like it's it's a legit show. It'll be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, July, I meant what I July I meant what I at the keg exile on O Street. Yeah, July third at the keg. Get your yayas back out. Yeah. Hey, listen, <laughs> I, I meant what I said. The privilege here tonight is all mine. And I'm really glad that I got to spend some time with you guys doing this. Right yeah. on, man. Good Thanks, to talk Greg. to you. Yeah, Bye. man.